1: Okay, my found. so as you know, Allison and I have been separated for quite a while, but through professional development days, we've gotten to see each other a few times, and since school's starting back, virtually for now in a few weeks, we wanted something to be a little normal again, or as normal as things could be. So, with that in mind, I have a surprise for you. Allison and I are officially recording together again, starting now. Hello! Oh, I'm so excited, you guys! I'm telling you, we sat down
2: and we were like, "Oh my gosh, it's like we're starting over again." We're I'm so nervous. M- I know it's so exciting, though. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting
1: yeah it's been
2: sad doing these alone i know and i'm not funny maggie's funny and so i feel like mine have just been like in a slump so i'm so excited that we're back together again
1: Me too. And we do want to thank you guys for sticking with us these past few months. We know that it has been weird. We know that we're not nearly as fun when we're separate as we are when we're together. It feels nice to have my best friend beside me again while recording. At least now I have someone to laugh with me when I mispronounce all of the names and have to redo sections millions of times. So we're glad things are a little bit back to normal for us. So we're glad you're here with us. If you're a pre-COVID listener, you know what to expect. If you're newer to the show, we hope you like how Coffee and Cases was always intended to be. As a little girl, my mom used to tell me a story that I know she definitely made up on the spot at the time, but I loved it. And so today, to the best of my memory and ability, I'm going to retell that story to you. Once, there was a beautiful house on a hill that overlooked the sea. The house was well-maintained with a huge balcony. Inside the home lived a young couple. Newly married, the couple was anxious to begin a life together in their family home. Sadly, a few months after their wedding, the young man was sent away to war. The young woman promised that she would wait for her husband and that when he returned, their life together would begin. She told him that every night she would light a candle and place it in the window so he would know the way home. The young woman watched as her groom sailed away out to sea. She stood at the bedroom window until the sails disappeared over the horizon. Each day, the young woman sat by the window and to pass the time, she began sewing. Night after night and day after day, she watched the horizon for the ship carrying her husband. If you passed by her house on a clear night, you could see the flickering candle in her window and could catch her silhouette at the sewing machine. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, a months turned into years with each passing day the beautiful young woman grew older her hair grew white and her body grew frail but she never stopped hoping her love would return as the years went by her candle remained in the window each night and she sat at her sewing machine her hands grew sore and tired they were swollen from arthritis but she never stopped sewing and she never stopped dreaming about her husband one terrible night a storm came the worst the old woman had ever seen the sea raged the wind howled and the rain fell the old woman was scared all these years alone by the sea and she had never seen a storm with this fury still she lit her candle as the sun set and waited for her true love to return The storm subsided as she stitched the last line of a beautiful quilt and the sun slipped behind the sea. She looked out at the sky, the stars she thought had never shone so bright. The moon had never been quite as full. Then something caught her eye. There, on the horizon, a ship. She flew as fast as she could to the window. It was a ship. She threw open the balcony doors and gazed out to sea. There was something wrong with this ship. It was glowing. This glow didn't come from candlelight or even from firelight. This glow was unworldly. It was growing larger and larger until finally her true love was before her, standing on the balcony embraced in the same unworldly glow. He explained that his ship was lost at sea on its return home. All the crew died in the water. He explained that all these years he'd been searching for her and that when he saw a small light in the distance, he turned his ghostly ship in that direction and found her there on the balcony. As he reached for her hand, she felt at peace knowing that he was no longer hurting and no longer searching for a way home. Their hands briefly touched as he told her that now he could wait on her and then he disappeared. The woman was so happy, she cried tears of joy knowing her true love was waiting for her on the other side. Ghostly and unworldly things creep into the seams of our case today. When there's nothing to explain how three men go missing, perhaps the explanation lies in fantasy. Could they have been visited by a ghost like in my story? Maybe they simply ran away. Theories abound in this case. This is the mystery of the missing lighthouse keepers.
2: Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is
1: Allison Williams and my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the cases will take those tips to law enforcement, so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, Conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week.
0: You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.
2: Before Maggie starts our show today, I wanted to take a quick moment to remind you about our challenge. You guys were so awesome when we initiated our first challenge of getting 15 written comments. You were great at getting us there so quickly that we did decide to up the ante. Maybe we were a little too lofty in our goal (laughs) since it's taken a while, but I still have faith. And I know we set our sights high, but we know that You guys can help us to get to 150 ratings on iTunes. We currently have 106, so again, we're inching up each week but it does only take a split second if you are listening to us on apple podcast to click for that five star rating and if you have a second longer go ahead and leave us a written review we love hearing from you and what you like about our podcast we do have listeners from all over the world i know a few episodes ago i listed like 30 countries (laughs) (laughs) listeners from but Um, what that shows is that we know that you can do it it is taking longer but once we get there we'll do another bonus episode just make sure that you follow us on social media coffee and cases podcast on facebook or at coffee cases podcast on instagram or as always listen in each week to know when that bonus episode will air now maggie let's get into our show
1: On December 15, 1900, a small ship was making its way to the Flannan Islands, a small, remote group of islands off the shore of Scotland, when they noted that no light was coming from the lighthouse on the island of Eileen Moore. The lighthouse was maintained by three men, Donald MacArthur, James Duckett, and Thomas Marshall. Their job was to ensure ships' safe passage That was hard to say, listener. (laughs) Ships saved passage through the group of islands by keeping the light shining. This light could be seen for more than 24 miles on a clear day. It was odd that there would be no light coming from the lighthouse, as this group of islands was surrounded by ragged rocks misty and most of the time dangerous waters. The article Unraveling the Mystery of Eileen Moore Lighthouse describes the island as often bathed in mist, its jagged rock transformations erupt from the North Sea like the fangs of some aquatic animal, but on clear days the water becomes aqua blue and the islands illuminated in the sunset appear idyllic. Beside the lighthouse, Besides the lighthouse, Eileen Moore was totally uninhabited and had been that way for hundreds of years. According to the mystery of the missing keepers at Flannan Isles Lighthouse, Eileen Moore had its oddities. And you're going to hear more about these as we get into the story. The island's only permanent residents were sheep, which to me sounds fun. Yeah. I like those. They're cute. Yeah. Fluffy. Yeah, fluffy, happy. And the herders refer to it as "quote the other country," believing it to be a place touched by something paranormal.
2: Okay, that's a little creepy, though. I know
1: it is weird, and this little like section isn't. There's another really. So nobody part. lives there. There's no, just it's literally the just, lighthouse yeah. and sheep. Yeah, and it's a tiny. Like I feel like when we say island, we think of like something big, but this is like mm-hmm. I feel more like a rock coming up out of the ocean. Like, there's grass and stuff on it, but it's really really small and i feel
2: like if you're if you know you're there by yourself that's creepy like i can't yeah. even be in my house
1: by myself without getting creeped out so i can only imagine yeah i don't like going on to an island by myself like i have to have people to talk to so i can yeah. imagine like not really being able to go anywhere
2: yeah that is a little creepy
1: so it was even like kind of feared by people that visited the island the main draw to this remote location had been a chapel that was built in the 17th century by saint flannan hence you know the name of this group of islands and its ruins are actually still there today, which I thought were kind of cool. Yeah, because that's really old. Mm-hmm. So even those who prayed there were moved to worship while on a lean more. So they say that there's like some like supernatural being there that kind of like influences people that are there. But that's almost like a positive thing, right? If yeah. you're like moved to to pray. pray. So, there's superstitions and rituals like circling the church ruins on your knees. Okay, that's, that's weird, I mm, think. Mm. And apparently, that's was adopted there just over the years. Like, I don't really know mm. why that is a thing. I don't know. I get people- being on your knees is like
2: reverence, right. but to crawl around in a a circle. circle. It reminds me, there's a short story, The
1: Yellow Wallpaper, and it's like madness. So, (laughs) that's what that reminds me of. So, a lot of people say this island has like this like, indescribable aura about it, and it's like something you can't ignore. Like, you feel it when you're there. So, shortly after the structure was completed, the saint and his flock actually left the island, claiming that they were being tormented by magical beings that inhabited the island. Oh, so... Hence the reason why the church is abandoned. Yes. Not so positive. And, like, I read a couple things that said even when shepherds would, like, come over with their flocks, like, no one ever stayed the night there. Like, they would come and then leave.
2: So, it's kind of like the episode on the devil's tramping ground.
1: Like, there's this
2: spot, and it is something otherworldly something's wrong
1: (laughs) right get out (laughs) something is not correct there (laughs) so like any responsible seagoer so remember this light is out the outage was reported to the proper authorities and a relief crew was sent out and sleuth hounds what they find turns out more questions than answers so the person sent out was Captain James Harvey, and as he approached the island on December 26, 1900, he looked out over the calm and idyllic sea. So remember that there's been a couple days. Yeah, because that was on the 15th. So yeah, a week and a half. Right, and that kind of comes into play like later on when some stuff is discovered. And from what I read online, they literally just explained it as there were more important things that came up. And, like, it was kind of just pushed down the list oh. to go well, check I guess, on this. I mean, if it's
2: remote and not that many people, even though it's dangerous, obviously, yeah. they're, like, the craggly rocks. But
1: if it's not passed through as often, maybe, like... It just wasn't, like, a pearl yeah. maybe. In spite of the good weather, Harvey felt a sense of dread as his ship approached the notoriously hard-to-navigate shores. So, in an article by Addison Nugent... Unraveling the mystery of the Eileen Moore Lighthouse, she says that the relief flag had not been raised and no one waited anxiously on the landing to be taken back to shore. So, like, I'm assuming that if something was wrong, like, in this lighthouse, mm-hmm. there would have been some type of flag that was raised to let people know that they needed help. Like an SOS. Yeah, like SOS. Because okay. that was in a lot of things that I read. And then apparently, I guess because the shores were so, like, dangerous, people would come the lighthouse keepers would Mm -hmm. come down to help people oh well that makes sense well
2: especially if the lights out yeah heck i need help in the middle of the day if i'm pulling a boat
1: next to a dock, so i can't imagine i would not even be able to do that so (laughs) so captain harvey blows a whistle to like say hey somebody's here hello (laughs) and then they even send up a flare and they get no response like nobody comes down to help them Mm. nothing happens so Harvey, at this point, just feels kind of weird about this whole thing. And there's three of them. And There's three of them. So it's not so like it, there's just one, right? Dude so up there. Right. If there were one, I was thinking, well, maybe
2: they were asleep, or maybe they got sick, or broke yeah. a leg, or you know, because the islands or something happened. But if there's three, somebody should be able to come yeah. down there.
1: So when nobody comes, he sends more. Who is the relief lighthouse keeper that he took there? So okay. the person there that is to relieve them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he sends him ashore to investigate and then what he found there is still a mystery to this day like we don't know what he found like we know what he found but like it just oh, doesn't we don't know make why. sense oh okay like it just doesn't not make sense i'm ready so when no one met the ship more set sail in a small boat to investigate what was going on so in my mind i picture like you can't you know it's like a group of islands mm-hmm. so this is kind of more in the center of this group of islands okay. so i'm thinking he had to take like a small boat to like get into right. where he needed Makes to sense. be so when he arrives he's met with an open gate and then a locked door though so the door is locked but, but the gate's open. open so to me like the gate being open like you're the only people there right so it's kind of like if you live in the country right you don't lock your car right okay get it but then the door was locked, so which again you
2: wouldn't need to do if you're on the island by yourself. Yeah.
1: So nobody comes to the door. Mm. So this just keeps getting stranger to more. Right. So remember Sleuth Hounds, it's in the middle of winter on this small island off the coast of Scotland. It's the day after Christmas. Yes, it is the day after Christmas. So it's gonna be cold yeah. there. Yeah. I'm assuming it's more cold in Scotland than it is in Kentucky when it's the day after Christmas right. most years. Right. It's normal. So it's going to be cold. So any right-minded person would dress appropriately when going out. Absolutely. So this part kind of reminds me of like the law Pass. Oh, where they were found with, yeah, with like, like barely like anything soft line on. And no pants, mm. yeah. But Moore only finds that two of the three coats are hanging on the door by the door, or on the hanger by the door. So only one coat's missing, but all three men are gone. So, one person put their coat on. So, one person's smart. Yeah. Three people, or two people, <laughs> two. not so much. Yeah. So, naturally, he thinks that maybe just someone must be, like, inside. There must be two people inside. Somebody's, like, out on the right. island. He just didn't see them. Right. But the lighthouse appears to be abandoned upon his first inspection, and he knows this because, you know, there's no one outside. He can clearly see right. it. Right. But doesn't... the door was locked. Right. So, right. it just doesn't sit well with him. He knows that none of the keepers would have been brave enough to go out into the cold winds of Eileen Moore without a coat. So what possibly could have caused them to be in such a rush that they would have just left their coats behind, but had time to lock the door. Yeah, well, because
2: I was thinking in my head, I'm like, okay maybe because I play all these hypotheticals maybe the one who had the coat went out and then somehow got hurt and then the other two saw and they were like oh my gosh we got to go out and help so they didn't put their coats on but then they also wouldn't have locked the door
1: right so so I went there too but then I was the same thing I'm like if something happened and like Somebody tripped and was like hanging on to the ledge of this like right. island about to fall over into the sea. You're, going to be You're like, not oh, gonna be like, sh- shoot! Forgot wait to close sir, the door <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't really make sense. No. According to the mysterious disappearance of the Eileen Moore lighthouse keepers by Ben Johnson, Moore continued on into the kitchen area, where he found half-eaten food in an overturned chair, like almost as if somebody had like jumped out of their seat in a hurry. So there's like meat and boiled potatoes left, chairs overturned, like somebody left in a hurry.
2: Okay, you know what that reminds me of a, a little bit is the lost colony at Roanoke, yeah. right? How they said like and all of a sudden everybody's Yeah, like which also goes back to the devil's tramping ground. So maybe there were places that are just haunted like yeah, this. Right. I don't
1: know. And even more peculiar, the kitchen clock had been stopped. And there were some articles that I read that said every clock in the lighthouse had been stopped.
2: Okay, I've got goosebumps now, (laughs) because (laughs) that freaking creeps me out.
1: It's just weird. He went further into the lighthouse, but found nothing except unmade beds and more stopped clocks. Okay, that's weird. So he returns back to Captain Harvey. Captain Harvey sends a telegram back to the mainland, which in return was forwarded to the Northern Lighthouse Board headquarters. And the telegram read, this is just like a part of it, It says quote a dreadful accident has happened on the flannins the three keepers duckett marshall and the occasional have disappeared from the island on our arrival there this afternoon no signs of life was to be seen on the island fired a rocket but as no response was made managed to land more who went up to the station but found no keepers there the clocks were stopped and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago Poor fellows, they must have been blown off the cliff or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. So he's just like, maybe they drowned. But that doesn't explain stopped clocks. Yeah. Or really locked, I mean, I guess maybe the locked door. If Unless they like, were
2: afraid the sheep were going to come in and eat the rest of their food. Yeah. I mean.
1: Or the people oh that God. like haunted that Right, saint. that church, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, a few days later, Robert Muirhead, who had both recruited and knew all three of these men personally, departed to the island to investigate the disappearances. So, we have somebody else coming on to investigate. Okay. His investigation of the lighthouse found nothing over and above what Moore had already reported. That was until he stumbled upon the lighthouse log. And so, to me, like, I think of a log, like, October 5th twelve mm-hmm. PM right. ship passed by. Right. Yeah, like, I mean that makes sense. Yeah, like like the
2: work that thing. they're doing.
1: But this was more like a diary.
2: So again like Diat Love Pass.
1: Yes. Mm. Sleuth Hounds. Muirhead immediately noticed that the last few days of injuries were, let's just say, unusual. Mm. So on December twelfth, Thomas Marshall, who was the second assistant, Wrote of, quote, severe winds, the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years, end quote. He also noted that James Duckett, the principal keeper, had been, quote, very quiet, and that the third assistant, William MacArthur, had been crying.
2: Weird. I'm giving Maggie a look, like, (laughs) what what is up with this? I mean, I totally get, like, obviously with COVID, I get the depression, I get the crying, right. Mm But I mean, there's at least three of them there. Yeah, you have somebody to talk to. And I wouldn't think that just winds would make you
1: cry, especially they're they're seasoned lighthouse keepers. Right. So it's not like day one. They've seen this. Freaking out because the wind's blowing. So, what's strange, strange about this entry is that the descriptions that he gave were actually quite the opposite of the men that Muirhead knew. So, all were seasoned lighthouse keepers. All would have kept their cool during any storm, knowing that they were safe, like, literally over 100 feet above sea level. Right. Duckett was a very level-headed man who Muirhead could not see, shutting down and just sitting, like, in the corner being quiet. MacArthur was a hot-headed man and was known to get into brawls and didn't shy away from a good fight. So the fact that he was described as crying mm-hmm. left Muirhead wondering if there was something more amiss than what he first maybe believed. Right.
2: It would be like if all of a sudden somebody was like, Allison was running down the hallway saying every curse word in yeah. the book. You'd be like...
0: No.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> or it would be like, Maggie was running. And then you'd be like, Maggie doesn't run. <laughs> so this has nothing to do with this story, but on the way here today, it took me through like not the normal way. Okay. So I had to go like through Lexington. Uh huh. So I passed this RV, okay, I did know, not know it was an RV place. And I was like, oh my God. When did they put a Krispy Kreme on this side of town? And I was like, I'm stopping and getting some Krispy Kreme from me and Allison. And I got in the turn lane, and then it was like, North something-something, RV park. And it was just like a green and red sign. And I was like, this is not Krispy Kreme. How (laughs) sad. So, I don't run. That's how we got there. (laughs) So, log entries on December 13th stated that the storm was still raging. And that it was so bad, they began praying. Like oh, they thought wow. they were
2: gonna die. Okay. So that would have to be really bad.
1: Yeah, but again, this is three experience lot light- right. lightkeepers we're talking about. It's not like us. Yeah. I can
2: remember when I was a little kid, anytime I would hear the like tornado warnings, oh, mm-hmm. I asked my mom. I'm not even kidding. I asked my mom for a garbage bag, and I would fill it with all my favorite toys, and I would go ahead and put it in the bathtub. <laughs> so you had, it knew, yeah, your <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that's how terrified I was. But I mean, I'm not a seasoned lighthouse keeper, so
1: true. I remember one time we went, like my cousin, my, my two cousins that are like around my age, and two of my aunts went to a play, like an eastern, like an outside mm-hmm. play, and on the way home it rained and it was like the we were driving past like the walmart in the town that i grew up in and it had no lights like the lights went out and we had to pull over it was raining so hard i was like seven probably Mm -hmm. so my cousin was like four Mm -hmm. and i can remember him going a tornado's coming a tornado's coming and i was like "Boo hooing in the car yeah i would be but for these mm -hmm. guys that's That would take a lot. Yeah, because they are 150 feet above sea level. Right. So I know that I mentioned that before. So it's a lot. So really, like we said, it would take a lot for them to be praying for a a storm to stop because they would know that they are actually safe. Mm -hmm. So even more peculiar is the fact that there were zero storms reported on December 12th, 13th, and the 14th. Zero. In fact, the weather was calm. And the storm that battered the island. So, there was a storm, but it didn't hit until, like, around the 17th. So, the days he's riding these entries, There is no storm. There is no storm. And we know that because the people that live, like, in the islands, Mm -hmm. in that group of islands, could see the lighthouse. So, there was no, like, I mean, I'm sure maybe it rained. But there was no, like, storm with raging winds and, like, big waves and all this. Creepy. Yeah. So they literally would have been perfectly safe. The final log entry that was made on December 15th simply read, quote, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Done. Done. And there's no more entries after that. So remember that the light had been reported out on December 15th, so we know... That the men were obviously alive that right. day on December 15th because the light was going in the lighthouse. Right. So, even though the last—and that's the day that we have that last entry. Okay. So, we know that they were alive. hmm So, why had the light gone unattended? What happened to these men? And how had they disappeared from an island where there were no other inhabitants? They just vanished. So, again, the coats struck Muirhead as odd. Why would they go out into the cold with no coats, which mm-hmm. we've talked about? And even more importantly, though, why had all three men left the lighthouse? Okay, because this is actually against, at that time, regulation. So all three were not to be out of the lighthouse at right. one time.
2: because the boat could come in and then right. crash on the rocks because there's Nobody's nobody there. In the, right. Yeah.
1: So at that time, someone always had to be there, and it just would have been weird that there wasn't anybody there further clues were found down by the landing platform so where the ships would come up okay here muir had noticed ropes that were all over the rocks and these are ropes that usually held down a brown crate 700 feet above the platform on like a supply crane so i guess that they could like pull supplies or something so he thinks like maybe something's happened to the crate and like a storm or some wind and that it's been like knocked down and the lighthouse keepers were attempting to retrieve that and an unexpected wave came and washed them out to sea that's
2: a logical explanation
1: but again though all three of them shouldn't have been out there
2: right so, even if it were a struggle you yeah. still have to leave somebody has to stay yeah and then
1: i read somewhere where one of them actually had like some type of investigation going on that they would broke like some type of regulation so, probably wouldn't want to break another one, right so, this was the first and most likely theory in his head, and this is what he includes in his refi- in his official report to the Northern Lighthouse Board. But it doesn't add up to me. So, like, again, why would they leave their coats if they're trying to pull something up from the sea in the dead right, of Right, they know it's cold. The water's going to be cold. Why would three experienced light keepers not notice, like, a giant wave building in the ocean and, True. like, retreat right. to safety? We're just going to, oh, we're fine! Right, they know this stuff. Yeah. And then, why... So, if... Okay, remember, it's, like, relatively calm. So, if they had fallen into the water, like, would their bodies not wash up onto a shore of one of these islands, you would think? I would think. I mean, because I feel like this is, like, titanic top water. Mm-hmm. So, you're probably going to freeze to death mm-hmm. before you drown. But I still think that they would wash up. So, remember, sleuth hounds, at the time they disappeared, the sea was calm. So... I mean it's just weird we just don't know anything really so there are a bunch of possible explanations about what happened to them and we're going to talk about brief- yeah we're going to talk about some of them okay. like more in depth and some of them just kind of briefly cause Okay. they're kind of like out really? there yeah. <laughs> So, the Dark Histories podcast talks about two other possible explanations. Okay. So, they say, quote, One more plausible theory carries that at least one of the men suffering from a form of isolation sickness became violent and killed the other two, then killed
2: himself. That's exactly what I was thinking in my head. I, as you were reading the diaries, and I was going to bring it up when you asked me. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking maybe the one who was writing the diary became delusional. Yeah, and because, he saw those. Yeah, and then that's why he were saying these things about the other two that were completely out of character because maybe he was like losing it himself right and then maybe he but then he would obviously have to have been so delusional that he killed himself after he killed the other two but I was thinking that exact same thing
1: yeah so a lot of people do believe in like the murder suicide Mm -hmm. thing so this relies on the evidence of the effects of isolation and what they can do to a person. And it's backed up by the fact that the relief vessel was late to arrive to the island. So I guess they were expecting somebody to come relieve them, but it was late to arrive, in which we know that the vessel carrying like more and meat. Mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was late. So, this exact scenario, in fact, did occur. This is again according to the Dark Histories podcast in 1960 when the relief keeper of another lighthouse on another island named Hugh Clark was shot by the assistant keeper Robert Dixon at close range oh with a rifle. And then Robert Dixon actually pleaded insanity. And so, it's the stress and isolation of his job was a contributing factor to his mental decline. So, I mean, it's not like it hadn't happened before. So, maybe this isolation sickness
2: is common among. People like the lighthouse keepers. Well, especially, I guess, when you're on an island and it's just the forgiving. you guys. Better
1: hope you get along. Yeah. Better hope you like each <laughs> other. <laughs> so, concerning this theory, neither Moore nor Muirhead noted any type of murder weapon. So, like, they don't see any gun or, like, anything that right. has, like, blood on it, which I guess maybe... Somebody could be super crafty and like lure them out with the pretense of pulling something up on these ropes and push them over the edge or something. But again, you'd have to do a lot of
2: convincing if you're going to convince somebody to break regulation and everybody come out.
1: Unless you're the one that broke the regulation in the first place, oh, and then like, it wouldn't
2: have been. Oh, that makes sense. Like if they went out and you said I'll stay here, but then you, but follow, then you sneak out just why you got the coat on?
1: Yeah, and lock the door because you had time, and then they Ooh. wouldn't be able to get back in. They wouldn't be able to get their coats. This okay. Is solved. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> this is done. So the second theory that Muirhead like kind of went with was suggested that there were high winds that caused damage to the western dock, and that maybe something happened to them, and the winds like pushed them overboard, mm-hmm. like over the not overboard over the cliff's edge. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I really don't think that that's that plausible I mean that's going to have to be right. a super strong first of all I'm not
2: going to be standing that near the edge
1: no no mm-mm. that me a wind would knock me down No. Right. Do. so the final conclusion is that the men were drawn outside perhaps in an attempt to like repair something and were washed away after being struck by a weight so that is like I guess the official report so kind of like I in the dialogue past uh, that they all died from hypothermia yeah yeah no no we know no, not buying it it was the eddy. yeah <laughs>
0: We all know.
1: So, if worldly things cannot explain this, it must be something unworldly, right? So, one website suggests that the lighthouse attendants were murdered by spies. Oh. Okay. All right. So, in the early 20th century, okay, this was a lot, there was a lot of paranoia happening about German spies, like, infiltrating the UK. Okay. Okay. So one hypothesis is that spies visited the lighthouse and murdered the keepers for unknown reasons.
2: I mean, I guess if it's an isolated island, there could have been something, you know, covert happening, and maybe the lighthouse keepers came upon it. But I mean, I I don't know. Like, I need to show you a picture because again, it's
1: not like a big big, island. You would know. You could see like the whole thing basically. So they think that could have happened and then maybe the keepers could have been captured and taken on board a boat by some spies and taken somewhere but there's still a mystery of why the one coat was gone mm-hmm. like did he say wait let me put my coat on right. before you get me"? <laughs> like that doesn't, just, uh, yeah, doesn't that doesn't make, make sense it doesn't make sense so more fanciful still is a the theory of a sea monster so kind of like Nessie the Loggedest Ness Monster <laughs> okay so some think that sea monsters or maybe giant birds Giant, giant birds. Yes. <laughs> okay, see, I'm more likely to believe the sea monster theory because, like, we don't know everything that lives exactly. in the sea. Exactly. But I feel like if there's a giant bird flying in the sky... I would have seen it. In 2020, it probably would have reappeared. <laughs> <It probably would've laughs> reappeared. It probably would have reappeared by now. <laughs> so, presumably, whatever came out of the sea or the sky snatched up these men and ate them. So, this is very, like, Homer and the Odyssey Oh, to yeah. Me. Totally. Like, I picture, like... The things Mm -hmm. on the side of the cliff, grabbing people and eating them out of the ship. That's what I see. So, even more fantasyful Mm -hmm. is the suggestion that some type of supernatural being killed them. So, some say the devil himself killed them. Or those, like, mysterious dwellers that we mentioned.
2: This is the other country.
1: (laughs) At the beginning, you know, in this other country, quote, maybe they kidnapped them oh. and took them to like whatever country that they live in. Like mm, quote type of country. Yeah. Or that they killed them. Mm. So lastly we have those who believe that UFOs and alien abductions are to blame for their disappearance. And I mean if they built the pyramids why could they not? <laughs> right. Why not? Why the heck not? <laughs> why not? I mean I think that's the most believable one. So as for me all I know is that maybe we just blame it on Ghost. and yeah. you know i believe if you listen to the dialogue pass you obviously mm-hmm. know that i believed it was the yeti so who's to say that or ball lightning yeah spontaneous weird things that happen so who is not to say that it was something like unexplainable that happened Maybe these three got in an argument when they were trying to pull up supplies. And in a fight, one felt like some fell over the cliff or something mm-hmm. like that. But maybe like some, they ran away to start a new life. Like, I don't know. What do you think?
2: I'm still leaning toward the isolation sickness that one of them was yeah. driven insane. And now I'm wondering, because there's one detail that I just keep coming back to other than the coats. And that's that all of the clocks, the clocks were stopped. It's weird. But again, if somebody is delusional... He could have...
1: Like, sent them outside. Set all then, of the
2: clocks to
1: that. Yeah. You know and what I, I mean? I have never found online if it said they were all stopped at the same time. Because that would have been
2: weird. Right. But maybe it was part of a delusion or something.
1: Yeah. That's probably... I feel like that probably is the most, like, realistic... Scary. Uh, yeah. But realistic probably. at the same yeah. time. Especially in, you know, the times of the corona where we all... All have to stay home and can't <laughs> right. get out anywhere. So, if you're at
2: home and you notice all the clocks around your house have been stopped at the same time, get out. Run. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this case has remained a mystery for over 100 years, and honestly, I think it always will be. I don't think we'll ever know what happened to these three men. The lighthouse is no longer operated by men. Everything's computerized. The cries that many claim to have heard from the men now fall on deaf ears, lost to the wind and lost to the sea. But just like in the story my mom told me, a light still shines to bring them home. Every night the lighthouse calls for them. Every night the lighthouse waits for their return. Maybe one day their souls will find peace and rest at the lighthouse where their story seems to have both started and ended. Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at Cases Coffee, on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to podcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon.
2: Stay together,
1: stay safe We'll We'll see see you you next week (music) Pulling up to Mickey D's Just for drinks? Oh yeah That's me, nothing extra Just perfection and a straw